0: So today I want to talk, this is going to be a fun sermon today. you ready for a fun sermon? Fun sermon today. Why would a good God allow His children to go through such pain and suffering? Have you ever thought about that? Why why does God allow the children that He loves, all of us, to go through difficulty? And we all go through difficulty. Now, we all know there's some pain that we experience, a lot of the pain that we experience, we cause ourselves. And I've, as a pastor for many, many years now, I've often heard people say, why did God do this to me? And it's almost like, let me walk you through this. There was very little of God involved in this. This was you making a lot of really poor decisions and now that the chickens have come home to roost you want to blame god for it you know and has anybody here not made some stupid mistakes really stupid mistakes right i'm not judging you i'm one of you we've you know so a lot of our suffering is us caused uh, there's no way around it. Then a lot of our a lot of suffering is caused by other people. That we're either in immediate relationship with our our family. Uh, your family can cause you a lot of worry and a lot of pain and a lot of grief. Your spouse. You can have a spouse that is unfaithful or a spouse that is a, a drug addict or an alcoholic or any number has any number of problems. Uh, struggles with depression, or bipolar, or you name it. There's all kinds of things in life, that, and, and that can cause you to suffer. Or you can suffer because, because remember, you just agreed that you've done some stupid things. Well, sometimes your stupid things interact and hurt other people's life, and they didn't do anything wrong. Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're looking at your phone, and you go through an intersection, and you T-bone somebody. And you hurt, and they're they're very badly injured, and they've got a long recuperation recuper, recuperation, you know, you know. They have to get new cups. Uh, recuperation period, and uh, <laughs> whatever that means. Uh, so, a lot of things we cause. A lot of things are caused by others, and then a lot of things are just the result of that we live in a, a, sinful fallen world. So that's that's kind of the, the high points. So, we serve an all-knowing God, an all-good God, who knows the end of all things. An all-good God, and He is an all-good God, wants to bring all things to a good end, and He will. An all-powerful God can. I can hear the. We're still singing songs over here. I can hear the monitor talking to me. Sorry, I was distracted. I'm easily distracted. An all-powerful God has the power to bring all things to a good end. And all things, uh, even things, including things we don't understand, will come to a good end, if not in this life, then in eternity. In other words, this is not all there is. So there's a lot of things that will not be resolved here, That will be resolved in eternity. Secondly, just because we can't understand the reasons for suffering, and a lot of times we look like, I don't understand this, it's not fair, doesn't mean that there are not reasons for suffering. Just because we can't understand it doesn't mean that there's not reasons. It should be expected that our finite minds would not know the reason for everything. I mean, think of the things that you don't know. So I'm, right now I'm reading a book called The Physics of Christianity, and one of the things as I read that book, I realize there's a lot of things I don't know, because the man who wrote the book is a physicist, so he says things, you know, that I'm thinking, I'm going to have to read somewhere to figure out what he's talking about so I can understand what he's saying, but he's writing s- supposedly this book to laymen, but apparently more intelligent laymen than me. And then I'm reading another book about the genetics of Adam and Eve, the genetics and genealogy of Adam and Eve. Both of those books are above my pay grade, okay? So just in those two categories alone, in genetics and in physics, myself personally, now some of you may have that all wrapped up and got a good handle on it, but I don't. And uh, so, just in that category alone, there's a lot I don't know. So, you realize that your, your knowledge is finite. And we, but we serve an infinite God, a God who has infinite knowledge. So, it's, it's, <laughs> it should not be, it's not reasonable to expect that we would know everything that God knows. It would be beyond our capacity to know it. Romans eleven thirty three says, Oh, the depths of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, who has become his counselor, or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. We are endeavoring to understand the infinite purposes of God with our finite minds. We are trying to understand in a moment because our life is just a vapor that appeareth for a time and vanishes away. All life is like grass that appears and is thrown into the fire. Life is short, our lives are short, especially in relationship to an infinite God. So in a moment, we're trying to understand everything that God is accomplishing in eternity. It's not likely we're going to to understand that. An infinitely good God knows that there is a good purpose, that he is able to accomplish a good purpose for everything. Romans 8, 28, we all know this verse, we're familiar with it, for God causes all things to work together for good. That doesn't mean that all things are good. But it means that God is able to ultimately and eternally even take bad things and turn them into good things to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. There is a, there is a qualifier there. Not everything works out to good for everybody. Some people, some, not everybody's going to have a good eternal destiny. But those who love God have a good eternal destiny. God is going to work everything out. Some things in this life, a lot of things in the next life. God will work out. Job 2.9, you're all familiar with the book of Job. Job goes through a lot of trouble. He suffers a lot. And so he's in the midst of this suffering. His wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity, curse God, and die? Now, this is what the devil's always whispering in your ear. Give up on God. Get mad at God. Get upset. You know what you need? You need to be mad at God. You need to curse God and die. And that's, that's a great temptation when you're in trouble and you don't understand where the tr- trouble is coming from or why the trouble is coming. And you don't feel like you deserve it. Most of us don't feel like we deserve the trouble that we get. We feel at some degree that is, it is unfair. Job didn't deserve the trouble that he got. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Which is, you know, like if you're having an argument with your wife, this is a good Bible verse to remember. If you want to die. <laughs> you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? And all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Joni Erickson Tada, you probably, probably will remember her. She was, you know, has done a lot of speaking uh, she was in a diving accident as a teenager. She became a quadriplegic. In the book, A Step Further, she writes, what a mistake that I would ever be able to complete the whole puzzle on suffering. For wisdom is more than seeing our problems through God's eyes. It is also trusting him, even when the pieces pieces, pieces don't seem to fit. Even when it doesn't seem like it fits together, understand that God knows how it fits. I see, I see the pieces of a puzzle. We've been doing during this you know, lockdown, pandemic, uh, whatever you want to call this, we've been doing a lot of puzzles. Anybody been doing puzzles? You know, So we, we've done a couple of 99, 999 uh, piece, 1,000 piece puzzles. It's like, where does that one piece go that disappears from the puzzle? We know that in one puzzle, the dog ate one piece of the puzzle. Uh, It's like, but you know, and it's so it's it's very hard to put together a puzzle if you don't have a picture of the puzzle to go by. Because if you have a picture, if you have the picture, you can look at the picture and say, "Oh, this goes down here on this lower corner." I can see that this, you know, if unless it's you know, like we did one puzzle that had about two-thirds of it was ocean, which you end up just putting them together by the actual shape of the puzzle piece. Drive you crazy. So in the same way, I see a very small piece of the puzzle. And if you had just one piece of the puzzle and you didn't have the picture of the puzzle and you had no other pieces of the puzzle, it would be difficult to understand what the puzzle was about. We have a very small piece of a very big puzzle. A puzzle that's as big as the universe. Think about it. The puzzle that is as big as the universe and God has the picture and we don't have the picture because it's too big for us to comprehend. So, so, We see just a little bit. God sees the picture of the whole, the eternal. So one of the things that we're saying in the midst of struggle is this, God, I don't understand this, but I trust you. Or even, God, I don't like this. The psalmist David said that quite a bit. I'm disappointed that this is happening. This is not fair, and I don't like it, but I trust you. Another is I can't comprehend what you're doing. It's like, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand how this is going to work for my good. You say all things are going to work for my good, but how is this going to work for my good? I don't understand it, but I do believe you love me and you have a good plan for my life. There are some good reasons for pain that we don't understand. Pain warns us to give us a chance to correct the problem. You get a toothache. Means you've got a you've got a problem that will become even worse if you don't deal with the problem. The toothache then becomes a the root canal, ugh. Or chest pain. Have you ever had chest you know unexplained chest pain? I w- I had chest pain. I was riding my bicycle up a hill and I had chest pain. I thought, ugh. I didn't, you know, I finished, I still rode my bike. I didn't, I didn't stop riding my bike and it got, it got okay. But I I started noticing when I would exert myself that I would have chest pain. So I'd just been to the cardiologist and he said, and they did EKG said, you're fine. Everything looks good. So he said, we'll do a stress test in a year. I said, let's go ahead and do it now. You know, so they put you on a treadmill and I told him, I said, now listen, I got a gimpy knee this doing this treadmill i said i can't i can't run i i can't run said so this is i said i know you don't have any other way for me to do this i'm just letting you know ahead of time this is going to be a challenge for me but we were able pretty rapidly when you start climbing up a mountain you know going as fast as you can You get your heart rate up pretty quick. Pretty soon, you know, I was having chest pain. So they put me back on the echocardiogram. They said, and so he said, well, it looks good. Everything looks fine. I said, it doesn't feel fine. He said, probably, you know, the medication that you're on is giving you indigestion. Oh, it was, that was it. But there's, you know, sometimes people don't, sometimes people think, oh, it's just indigestion. Which, which do you think is better to think it's a heart attack and go get it checked out or to think, no, it's just indigestion and have a heart attack. So pain does accomplish some good things. Uh, Pain saves our lives. Pain is designed to keep us from self-destruction. Today, you probably don't know this, the last Sunday—I didn't know this until I was looking this up—the last Sunday in January is World Leprosy Day (laughs) of every year. Now, leprosy is a disease that has been in many parts of the world, we don't hear of leprosy in the United States because leprosy can be easily healed with antibiotics. But there are about 200,000 new cases of, of leprosy worldwide every year. They can easily be healed. It can easily be healed with antibiotics, but a lot of people don't have access to simple medications. If you were to visit A modern-day leprosy colony, because they used to be fearful about how it spread. doesn't spread that as easily as they thought it did, but uh, it does. Uh, You would see people missing fingers and toes. The missing fingers and toes are not caused by the disease. You don't lose fingers and toes and appendages to leprosy. What you do is lose feeling, and you don't feel pain. So since you don't feel pain, you grab a hold of something hot in the fire, you burn your hand, you stub your toe, you get a rock in your shoe and you walk for miles and you don't know that the bottom of your foot's just being destroyed because you don't feel it. They've lost the ability to sense pain. So in order to save us from self-destruction, the pain has to be strong enough that we notice it. When lepers were equipped, 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 equipped sorry to say this equipped with bleeping devices, to warn of pain, it didn't work. Why? Because a bleep is not painful. And it didn't divert them from unwittingly self-destructive behavior. So even though the bleep warned them because it, because it didn't produce any pain, they still ignored it. And in order for the pain to work, it has to be out of our control. So they hooked up a shock mechanism to them. That didn't work either. Because once the leper learned he would be shocked by sharp warning pain, he would turn off the system so as not to be confronted by it. In other words, the device that they gave him to warn him that he was about to hurt himself by giving him a little shock... He turned it off so that he wouldn't be shocked, and then he would suffer the damage to his body. None of us would willingly go through suffering, and yet most of us admit we're a better person for having done so. Colossians 1 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which, with, which we ourselves are comforted by God. So, so when we learn what comfort feels like as we go through difficulty, then we have more compassion on other people going through difficulty, and we are able to comfort them with the comfort that we've received from God. We've learned how to comfort? When you're young, you don't have much compassion because you haven't been through much. As you get older, you tend to get more compassionate because you've seen your parents die, and friends have died, and things have happened, and people have been sick. You under and so you have a greater understanding. So when someone's going through something, you think, "Wow, I understand that. That's that's incredible." C.S. Lewis said in The Problem of Pain God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse the deaf world. You see, God's glory is not always displayed in our happiness and blessings. God's glory is often displayed when we face loss, disappointment, death, grief, failure, sickness. When in that suffering, our faith is displayed, our peace in Christ is displayed, our dependence on Christ is displayed, then his character is displayed to his glory. So often through very difficult circumstances, God's glory is displayed through us by how we go through those things, and the people notice. Or... The other way we can go through it, we can go through, we can display our disappointment in God, in complaining and thanklessness, and reveal that we truly believe in practice is that we are God and God is our servant. Ba dum bum. He said, Our beck and call. Some good things, there are a lot of good things that God accomplishes through suffering. How many of you would like to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Would any of you say no to that? Oh, I don't want to. No, I've, I'm sorry. I'm as mature as I need to be. I don't need to grow anymore. I, I really love everybody, so no more love here. I got all those fruits of the fruit of the spirit. Uh, would you like to have more faith and a greater dependency on God? Would you like to become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit? So that when God is speaking to you and working in your heart, you hear him easily and gladly. Uh, would you like to pray more passionately? You know, not, not to fall asleep when you pray? Would you like to read the Bible? With attention and vigor and it just come alive and, and the words just jump off the page? You know what you need to accomplish that? Suffering. Suffering. All you need is a little difficulty and a little problem, and your prayers will become different, and your Bible reading becomes different, and you begin to listen to God. Say, God, what are you trying to say? I don't understand. I want to hear what I don't want to keep going through this. God, what are you saying to me? We become more sensitive. All of that can be accomplished in us through pain and suffering. The Bible even says it causes us to grow. In character and in maturity. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by grace, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand in grace and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we exult in our tribulations. We exult. It's not like we, you know. It's like we rejoice in it. It's not like it's not like. Well, I have tribulation. It's like, oh, wow, what an opportunity. We exult in our tribulations. Why? Because we know that tribulation brings about perseverance, the ability to keep on and and to not give up, and that perseverance, proven character, it, it develops our character and proven character, hope. We begin to set our hope on something, a hope that doesn't disappoint. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. So in the midst of suffering and difficulty, you experience feeling and knowing the love of God. It doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That's Paul of the Romans. James says it this way. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, different kinds, all different kinds of problems, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Very similar to perseverance, right? Paul said that it's going to produce perseverance. James says it's going to produce endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work Result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He said, may this cause you to mature and grow. So we grow in character maturity. It has a good reasons. Our attachment to the world is loosened, and our desire for heaven is strengthened. We're, di- <laughs> We're holding on pretty tight here, aren't we? So one of the things it accomplishes, it helps us realize that, okay, this is, you know, I like this life, you know, everybody, we like being here, but it's not as good as where we're going. Therefore, we don't lose heart, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Though our outer man is decaying, have you noticed that? Looked in the mirror, you know? The outer was that encouraging to you? Just want you to know. The outer man's decaying. Yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Wrap your mind around that. Everything that we think is permanent is temporary, and everything we think is un- invisible and not permanent is permanent. Only the spiritual, only God is eternal. Everything else is temporary. Everything else just exists because he, he called it into existence. For the, the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, which is going to happen... This house is gonna get torn down. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So one of the things that that suffering does is it helps us to realize that I love this life and I wanna be used by God in this life. I wanna accomplish everything God wants me to accomplish in this life, but this, this this is just a blip on the radar. It's just a second on the eternal clock. Then I'm going to spend eternity with God, that God has greater purpose and greater plan. We feel like, oh, this life I want to have purpose, and yet what we're going to experience in eternity will be greater. So it's to loosen our grip on the things of this earth to you know, help us maybe love church more than we love Home Depot. Some pain is used by God to get our attention and turn us in a better direction. God will, if you love somebody, you don't want them to mess up. And it's you know, as a parent, you often try to save your kids from making mistakes you've made, but they don't listen. I mean, you try to tell them, listen, I I did some stupid stuff and I did this and I shouldn't have done that. And they're like, well, I think I'll try that. Well, no, that's not, don't do that. Learn from my mistakes, and we very seldom do, but Hebrews chapter 12. In, this is in the message. In this, our all-out match against sin, others have suffered for far worse than you. In other words, they've, they've, they've so struggled against persecution and the world system that they've died. They've been martyred. To say nothing of what Jesus went through all that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourselves, or have you forgotten how good parents treat children, how good parents treat children, and that God regards you as his children. My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines, the child he embraces that he corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as, a, as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children. Our irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Only irresponsible children, parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us so why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? It just made me think about, we had, you know, back in, in the olden days, uh, when we spanked our children because we were, you know, right out of the Middle Ages, so it was okay, uh, you know, uh, we spanked, we had a little wooden, wooden we had a, a paint spatula. And Lauren took that paint spatula and decorated it <laughs> and wrote on it, don't you love us? which is the one who's receiving the discipline. It doesn't feel like love when you're receiving the discipline, does it? But it is. While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. So a lot of times, God will discipline us to help us get back on course. We can, we can get going the wrong direction. We can start pursuing the wrong thing. The best thing that can happen to you is to get caught as soon as possible. Right? So God is God will often use, He will discipline us to, to steer us. He's not trying to destroy us. He's He loves us. He He cares about us. If He didn't care about us, He'd let us go our own way. Parents who don't care about their children, don't discipline them. Let them do what they want to do because they care more about how the child feels about them than they do about the progress that the child is making. I can't discipline my child because then the child will disapprove of me. That's the role of a parent. The role of a parent is to keep your children Ticked off, <laughs> just where they're saying, where they know that you, you want what's best for them. No, I'm not going to let you. No, you can't do that. Stop doing that. Come, come over here. Quit that. And as a parent, it gets it's constant. It's like, oh, so you start thinking, okay, what am I going to let slide? Because I don't want to be on their case all the time. I can remember when when Landon was about fifteen or sixteen. And Tina's mom was living with us. I don't remember the exact age. And Tina's mom said to me, you need to get your thumb on that boy. I said, well, I'm trying. <laughs> My thumb's not big enough. <laughs> I, need, I need a bigger thumb. Uh, but, you know, that, that sense, God loves us. So he's, sometimes God brings, brings it out in the open. C.S. Lewis said, muses, given the effectiveness of pain and producing moral gain, it's surprising that there's not a lot more pain. It's not that there should—oh, I'm surprised that there's, there should be less. C.S. Lewis said, I'm, I'm not surprised there's more. And if, if you're struggling with this, a good book, much better, more intellectual book than I can than I ever help you with would be C.S. Lewis' book, The Problem of Pain— is a great book to help you deal with this, how this works together. He wrote it as his wife was dying of cancer. So he has has good understanding about that. C.S. Lewis. An all-knowing God knows the end of all things. An all-good God wants to bring out, to bring all good things to a good end. An all-powerful God can bring things to a good end. And all things, including things we don't understand, will come to a good end, if not in this life, then in eternity. Because God causes all things to work together for good, to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. So God's, even when it doesn't feel like it for the believer, God is faithfully at work in His eternal work. What we often miss is that we're staring at that one little puzzle piece and we're thinking, this doesn't make sense. And it doesn't because we can't see the big picture. It is in the big picture that we learn to trust God. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand and pray. You know why I have you stand and pray. It's just easier to leave after this, you know. So we sang, "There's Another in the Fire." If you don't know that Old Testament story, it's when the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were thrown by Nebuchadnezzar into the fiery furnace. Because they wouldn't bow the knee to the golden image that he'd created and demanded that everyone bow their knee to him and they refused. And they were government officials at that time and they were servants of God and they said, we're not going to do it. And so they threw them in the fire and what they said is they were being thrown in the fire. said, we don't know if God will deliver us or not. We're willing to die. We're willing to be thrown in the fire. But we do know that he's able. We don't know if he will. And when they threw them in the fire, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, looking into the fire, said, There is someone in the fire with them. And it looks like the Son of Man. This is the promise of Scripture. There is someone in the fire with us. Yes, we go through suffering and difficulty and pain and sickness and sorrow and sadness. Some things that we do, and some things that others do, and some things because it is the result of being in a sinful world system. But no matter what it is, there is one in the fire with us. You're never alone. So, Father, we rejoice. We're joyful in tribulation. We're joyful in trials, knowing that they have an eternal work to do in us. Sometimes a work we cannot see, so we don't readily rejoice in what you're doing, because we don't see the big picture. Lord, help us that even though we can only see this little piece of the puzzle, our little piece of the puzzle, our little temporary, seemingly piece of the puzzle, that Lord, we trust you with the big picture, and that you're with us in the midst of our difficulty. You're with us in the midst of our trial. You will never leave us alone. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I love you. Have a great day.